You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click Donate. Too often, historically, uh, economic reforms, they come at the expense of those who are barely getting by, while the wealthy, they find new ways to profit from those economic reforms. This is Herb Montgomery from Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 248 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor might have to offer us today in our work of resistance, survival, uh, liberation, reparation, and and transformation. This week is part two of a two-part series, Pyramid Circles and a Shared Table, Jesus's Vision for Human Community. Again, this is part two in our feature text. Next is Mark 10, 17 through 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, last week we looked at uh, various shapes that that human societal structures can take and and we compared them to Jesus's vision for human community being a, a shared table. And we consider that Jesus's teachings were, were political. They had an economic emphasis on, on distributive justice, and, and they, they were not merely distant or, or purely religious theology. And I also want to be careful not to spiritualize Jesus's vision. Jesus wasn't telling us how to structure churches or or, or worship services. His, his vision for human community was, was much larger. It was concerned with the, the structures of human community that create systemic oppression and social, political, and, and economic exploitation. Jesus spoke about economic Economics more than than any other topic. He 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 didn't propose a a system of charity either within those economics. He 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 didn't propose a system where the the haves give to the have-nots and 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 it leaves a, a system that creates haves and have-nots uh, untouched. The, the the vision of Jesus that we get from the stories was of an entirely different social order, one where where no one has too much while others don't have enough, and where quote unquote sun and rain were distributed justly on all. And you can find evidence of this in Matthew 5, 45. But as he taught his followers in Luke, in Luke 12, 32 and 34, it states, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven, and remember this is by giving to the poor, that will never fail. Where no thief comes near, no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, and again, this is in the poor, in the lives of the poor, there your heart will be also. it is appropriate for, for Jesus to address his his audience's fear here, this beginning of don't be afraid. Fear is the, the primary emotion that causes us to, to hoard more than we need for today. Jesus says, don't be afraid. And he then reassures his followers, it's the Father's pleasure to, to give you the kingdom. This is not a world, he's not describing a world where the haves have all of their possessions stripped away and given to the haves. Have nots. And it's it's not a reversal of fortunes where, where now there's a new set of haves and a new set of have nots, but it's a it's a redistribution that makes sure 
everyone, and that means everyone has enough. And our, our fear of the future is it's replaced by a trust in our community that, that we will take care of each other. Jesus was calling on those who had more than they needed to liquidate those properties and give to those whom the system had impoverished. And this was a kind of, of wealth redistribution, a, a sharing. Poverty, it, we have to remember, it's not the result of chance. It's not the end result of, of of, of um, some you know mysterious fate. It's the end result of how economic systems are structured. Chance and accidents, they will happen, but, but Jesus was offering a way to include everyone rather than, than benefit a few at the expense of the many. And, and at its foundation, Jesus's vision was a call to redistribute uh, hoarded wealth and to share and, and and to share it was his his shared table it was a shared table of of shared economics and anytime we speak of wealth redistribution we have to be careful those who are 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 barely scraping by those who have barely enough those are the ones that start getting upset first and they they clutch the little that they have and, and they say that you're not going to take it away from me and and give it to someone else and and this is completely understandable but Jesus wasn't speaking to people who were just breaking even. In Luke, Jesus is speaking to those who have considerably more than what they needed. And Jesus's vision was a social and economic order that, that benefited everyone together, where everyone took care of, of one another. And, and yet too often, historically, uh, economic reforms, they come at the expense of those who are barely getting by, while the wealthy, they find new ways to profit from those economic reforms. Even with economic reforms, it usually comes at the expense of the middle class while the wealthy get even wealthier. Jesus's teachings are, are about breaking the cycle. At Jesus's shared table, it was rooted, remember, in equity. And everyone um, might not necessarily have the same, but no one would go without. In 1902, a Russian naturalist and anarchist philosopher named Peter Kropotkin, he wrote an essay collection titled Mutual Aid, A Factor of Evolution. And in these essays, Kropotkin described mutually beneficial cooperation and, and reciprocity in both the animal world and human society. And what he discovered was contrary to social Darwinism. The, the societies and the species that were the fittest, you know, the survival of the fittest, the, the societies and species that were the fittest were not necessarily the strongest where the strong ate the weak. The, the fittest communities, they practiced mutual aid. The strong took care of the weak. And these species, they had the highest rates of, of survival. And what developed out of Jesus's teachings was a community that sought to practice that kind of voluntary, non-authoritarian mutual aid. And in the book of Acts, uh, which is believed to have been written by the same author as Luke's gospel that we were just quoting, we find that the very first fruit of embracing Jesus's vision for human society, his, his shared table, the very first fruit was economic. The very first change that, that followers made when they were baptized into the Jesus community of the first century was to sell uh, your extra possessions so that others would have enough, or, 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 or the very first thing that took place was you received from others so that if you didn't have enough, you did have enough. In Acts 2, 4, 
41 through 47, it says, Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And two chapters later in the book of Acts, we discover that these these believers they had completely eliminated poverty within their growing but but small community in acts 4 32 to 35 it says all the believers were one in heart and mind no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own but they shared everything they had with great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the lord jesus and god's grace was so powerfully at work among them that, among them all that there were no no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So in this community, each person, Acts eleven twenty nine gives us this principle: they contributed each one as each one was able. And then within this community as well, each person in Acts two forty five and four thirty five, what we just saw, each person was was given to according to their, their their need. It was a community of of each according to their ability and each according to their need. The, the Jewish sayings of Jesus contained the earliest version of of Jesus's instructions to those who were creating these these community structures. And we spent an entire two years on on this collection of sayings found in both Matthew and Luke's gospel. And I'll I'll put a link to to that series in 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 this week's e-site. It's our our two-year series on sayings gospel Q. And if you're new to Q, an excellent place to begin is James Robinson's The Gospel of Jesus, a historical search for the original good news. And I want to share two sections from Robinson this week. That, that give insight to, to what we're discussing here. The first one is, uh, and I'm, this is from uh, the Kindle version, Kindle location 138 to 142. It says his basic issue, talking about Jesus, his basic issue is still basic today. It's that most people have solved the human dilemma for themselves at the expense of everyone else, putting them down so as to stay afloat themselves. This vicious, anti-social way of coping with the necessities of life only escalates the dilemma for the rest of society. All of us know the result all too well, for we have experienced it ourselves in one form or another. The breakdown of mutually supportive human relations that results in the distinction between the haves and the have-nots. The ruling class subjugates serfs, sharecroppers, and blue-collar workers. The battle of the sexes, dictatorships of one kind or another, exploitation in the workplace, and on and on. And the second section is from Kindle Locations 56 through 77. Uh, Robinson writes, by using the kingdom of God, Jesus put his ideal for society 
in an antithetical relation to both other political and social systems and to an individual self-interest looking out for number one. The human dilemma is in part that we are each other's fate. We become the tool of evil that, that ruins another person as we look out for ourselves, having long abandoned any youthful idealism we might have once cherished. But if we each would cease and desist from pushing down the other to keep ourselves up, then the vicious cycle would be broken. Society would become mutually supportive rather than self-destructive. And this is what Jesus was up to. Put in language derived from his sayings, I am hungry because you hoard food. You are cold because I hoard clothing. Our dilemma is that we all hoard supplies in our backpacks and put our trust in our wallets. Such security should be replaced by God reigning, which means both what I trust God to do, which is to activate you to share food with me, and what I hear God telling me to do is to share clothes with you. We should not carry money while bypassing the poor or wear a backpack with extra clothes and food while ignoring the cold and hungry lying in the gutter. This is why the beggars, the hungry, the mourning or depressed are fortunate. God, that is, those in whom God rules, those who hearken to God, will care for them. The needy are called upon to trust that God's reigning is for them. And equity, let's be honest, equity too often, it feels like oppression to those who have more than what they need. And many have solved the, the problem of, of future uncertainty. They've solved that for themselves by hoarding for themselves today, uh, others be damned. And for them, this is not about possessions as much as it is about surviving if, if something bad should happen to them in the future. And I believe that Jesus realized this. His, his vision for human society was to create a community where people will care for you if some ill fate should impact you in the future. And, and right now, you provide for someone who's being devastated by ill fate uh, today. Um, in, in his words, consider the ravens, consider the lilies, the, the system that Jesus taught where we take care of one another. It's a much better solution for the future than, than fear. And why not give it a try? Mark 10, 17, through 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Heart group application this week in Luke's gospel, Jesus tells one of the wealthy religious political elites, um, but now as for what's inside of you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. That's Luke eleven forty one. So number one this week, what does this mean for us today? Um, did, did, did Jesus really mean that everything is tied to our generosity toward those our, our, our present system impoverishes? It, it doesn't matter why someone is othered or why someone is marginalized, whether it's because of race or gender or education or sexual orientation or gender identity and expression or religion or ability or, or whatever. Everything is connected to our attitudes towards those 
those who face exclusion or, or exploitation and, and w- whether we're generous and, and compassionate or, or whether we participate in the exploitative status quo. Everything is connected to this. Discuss this, uh, this everythingness that Jesus mentioned in Luke 11. Discuss that with your heart group. And then number two, over the past few weeks, we've discussed Jesus's preferential option for the marginalized and, and the vulnerable. What does it look like to, to learn to listen to and to believe the experiences of those who, 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 who those the present structure disadvantages and, and exploits? What does that look like? And discuss that with your heart group. And then number three, is it enough to grant everyone an equal opportunity to compete in a system that still produces haves and have-nots? Did Jesus envision uh, a different social structure where no one became a have-not, where, where, where it didn't produce haves and have-nots? And what examples do we have of attempts in history to, to cre- by human beings to create societies like that? Where, where have attempts been made uh, to do just that in the past? And what prevented these societies from being successful? What, what were the both the external and the internal challenges that were involved, especially those external ones too that prevented it from ever ever even working? And discuss these questions with your heart group. And then lastly, pick a practice that you shared in number two where you talked about what it would look like and, and put it into practice this week. What difference does it does it make in, in, uh, in your generosity towards the marginalized? An experiment with it. See if it's it's true that in creating a world where generosity and compassion are, are exercised towards those exploited, um, see if it's, it's true that everything else becomes clean, that they are interconnected. Thanks for checking in with us this week. Keep living in love and survival, resistance, liberation, reparation, and transformation. Another world is possible. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.